Our epistle lesson this day is from Romans chapter 3, and it is the basis for today's message. Here Paul writes, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning, this reading from Romans chapter 3, Pastor Elliot has read for us just a few moments ago. It's not unusual that sometime before our worship gathering, someone will come up to me and ask, are you preaching today? One person in particular always makes me grin when after I acknowledge that I am up to preach, says, knock him alive, pastor. Of course, it's a play on the expression, knock them dead, as a pep talk to the person who's about to go on stage, trying to captivate their audience with their performance. But I'd like to borrow those words, knock them dead and knock them alive, to try and find our way into the text and into this great annual celebration of the Reformation. Martin Luther, as many of you know, was a very devout and a very intense man. He lived in the 16th century in Germany, and in the 16th century, a long and twisted 1,500 years had passed since Jesus' life-giving death on the cross. And on that winding path, the primary picture of God that had come to predominate the imagination of Luther and many others was a picture of an angry, vengeful God anxious to punish poor, miserable sinners no no matter how hard they might be trying. And so there were great literary works like Dante's Inferno and Michelangelo's majestic frescoes painted on the walls and the ceilings of the Sistine Chapel, graphically depicting people suffering the wrath of God for their sins. And the truth is, unless you could possibly wow God 
by your performance in this life. In other words, if you were capable of, of knocking him dead with your hard work, by your effort, by your practice of religion, then it was certain that he would literally knock you dead by sending you to hell. In his study of the New Testament letter of Romans, Paul learned, Paul's letter to the Romans, Luther found himself terrorized by the phrase in our text, the righteousness of God. Because to him it meant that only God is righteous and he must therefore punish unrighteous sinners. Listen to the words that he wrote looking back some years later at that time in his life. Luther said, though I lived as a monk above reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that he was placated by my performance. I hated this righteous God who punishes sinners. I was angry with God, and thus I raged with a fierce and a troubled conscience. At last, Luther wrote, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night on his word, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is a gift given by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. Pondering and wrestling with the words of, of our text, Luther's heart was awakened to the power of life in Christ, and he exclaimed, I felt altogether born again as if I had entered paradise itself through open gates. No longer trying to knock God dead with his performance. The word of God knocked Luther alive in Christ, and what follows was the Reformation that literally changed the world. Now, the same word of God stands before us this morning. And the question is, will it, will it do the same? Will it Will it knock us alive to go out and to change the world, at least our little corner of it? Look, you can see for yourself what it says. You cannot, nor will you ever be able to impress God enough to somehow work your way back into his beautiful, breathtaking, face-to-face -face presence, which is what we were all created for. Everything that it means to be human can only be satisfied when we are in the presence of God. This popped up on my Facebook this morning while I was editing my sermon, so it found its way into the manuscript. Here's what it said. When God created fish, he spoke to the sea. When God created trees, he spoke to the earth. But when God created humanity, he turned it to himself and said, let us make human beings in our own image and in our likeness. 
If you take a fish out of water, it will die. When you remove a tree from the soil, it will die. Likewise, when human beings are disconnected from God, they die. God is our natural environment. We were created to live in His presence. We have to be connected to Him because it is only in Him that real life exists. So you see the law in this verse? I suppose you could say the Ten Commandments have no other God, don't misuse His name, worship me regularly, honor human authority, don't hurt or harm other people, don't misuse my good gift of sex, don't take stuff that doesn't belong to you, don't talk bad about other people, and don't live in a constant state of discontentment. The Ten Commandments, together with all of those Old Testament instructions about sacrifice and worships and foods, were never intended by God to be a cookbook recipe to get us back into His presence. Now look what it says, the purpose of the law was to show us our sin. But I need you to listen, listen carefully because this is not just all our little infractions. I said some bad words. I disobeyed my parents. I was mean to my brothers and sisters. This is sin with all capital letters, the sin of turning away from God as the sole source of life and go looking for meaning and purpose in all the wrong places. And the Bible's word for that is idolatry. And the law was intended to show us our idols. To show us that there is nothing in this world that can ever satisfy the deepest longings of the human heart. Not money, not power, not sex, not anything in all creation. And then comes the heart of the gospel, of the whole Bible of the reformation of the Christian faith. What we could not, cannot, and will not ever be able to do for ourselves, God has done for us in Jesus. And this righteousness of God is first and foremost His faithfulness to His promises. I will never leave you or forsake you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, ours is not an angry God watching and waiting for us to mess up so that he can punish us. Ours is a kind, merciful, loving, heavenly Father whose heart is breaking for us to come back home and live with him and discover the fullness of our humanity, everything that we were created to have and to experience. And faith? Faith is a gift, a gift from God. 
Work by the Holy Spirit. Every time you listen to a sermon, read your Bible, sing a song based on His Word, He breathes faith into you, and you breathe that faith back out to Him in your prayers. Faith is a gift of God that is worked anew by the Holy Spirit. How many times have you heard me say it? Every time you see, taste, touch, hear, or smell water, and you remember your baptism. Faith is a gift of God that's worked by the Holy Spirit. When you eat this bread and you drink this cup, and you receive the true body and blood of Jesus given and shed for you on the cross. Faith is a gift of God worked by the Holy Spirit whenever you have a conversation with a fellow believer about your faith. Because God is constantly seeking to work His faith in you more and more so that you believe the promises that in Jesus He has restored you to His face-to-face presence. You see that phrase, glory of God? The glory of God is his real face-to-face presence for which we were created. In the Old Testament, God made that presence visible for his people in the temple, in the innermost part called the Holy of Holies. So desperately did God long to dwell with his human creation that he made a way, that he made a place where he could safely dwell with them. And all of those blood sacrifices of animals in the Old Testament were not made to appease an angry God. That's paganism. No, the blood was simply a symbol looking forward to the cleansing and purifying agent that would create once and for all a safe place for his people to experience his real presence among us. And that's what this strange word propitiation means. It means to cleanse or to purify. Yes, sin in all capital letters is serious. Whenever we turn away from God to look for life in the things of this world rather than to him alone, this idolatry that still tempts us to look to our bank accounts, to look to our families, to look to our successes as the things that truly make us human, sin is serious. But when Jesus began his earthly ministry, John the Baptist cried out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And no longer would the temple in Jerusalem be the place where God came to dwell with his people. Jesus declared one greater than the temple has come. In Jesus, heaven and earth are reunited. Look, our cleansing, our purification to make us fit for God's real presence is now received by believing that Jesus died on the cross as the ultimate place where we meet God and we experience the satisfaction of everything that it means to be human. And that faith we have already noted is coming to you even this morning in this message in the meal that awaits you at the table. 
And this faith brings about a whole new mindset. A whole new knocked alive way of thinking and speaking and acting. Martin Luther read, marked, learned, and inwardly digested the words of our text today, and he discovered what it means to be dead to sin and alive in Christ. He stopped staring at his own belly button trying to see whether he was good enough for God, and the Reformation ensued, and the world was changed as a result of it. So has that happened to us? For the first time, maybe, or for the 10,000th time, has God's powerful word knocked you alive in Christ? Well, pay attention to what you boast in, and you will certainly learn. Because your boasting reveals your idols. If your boast is being an American or a Republican or a Democrat or black or white or any other color or being gay or straight or a Lutheran or being a Florida Gator or a Seminole or a Wildcat, if your boast is in your kids or your career or your intelligence or in your good looks, you will not find the peace and the life that your heart is longing for. Your boasting will tell you where your heart is. In 2 Corinthians, Paul uses this word boasting over 30 times. And he makes one point very clear. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, how will you do that this week? Well, this week... When you find yourself being lured away by anything this world has to offer, I want you to consciously, in your mind, turn around and remember the cross where heaven and earth come together and behold your loving Father, arms outstretched to embrace you with his love and his forgiveness and to set you back on your feet. This week, when you're watching the news and you're wringing your hands, Turn around and remember the cross where heaven and earth meet and rest in the certainty that God is still in control. This week, when your conscience taunts you with some guilt or some shame over your past, people turn around and behold the cross where heaven and earth meet and experience again the real presence of God who loved you to death even death on a cross. Knocked alive? <laughs> Go change the world. At least your little corner of it. Go live humbly. Go live boldly. Let the world see and hear Jesus in you. Humbly because you know your weaknesses, yet boldly because you know Jesus' strength. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith to life everlasting. Amen. So here's the weekly awakening question for you. How will you use God's faithfulness at the cross this week to reflect his love? How will you use God's faithfulness at the cross to reflect his love?